0: All right, welcome everyone to the Cover 3 Fantasy Podcast, coming to you from the Rubber City, Akron, Ohio. Um, Toby, we've got Jason and Brian here as well. Uh, Starting off with some news with this episode. Just a few hours ago, the Saints cut Pro Bowler Larry Warford most probably won't see it as big news. It's not big fantasy news per se, but they save seven million in cap space, uh, and I think he can be a really valuable piece to a team needing offensive line help. Um, Jason, is there a team that you would like to see him land with that you think he could provide value?
1: Yeah, I would. I'd like to see him go to Arizona. That high-powered offense, I think it would help their line help Kenyon Drake in particular. Uh, give him some depth along the O line. They've got the good tackles. They brought in Josh Jones in the draft, but if they could add some interior line, I think it would boost Drake in particular, but also keep Kyler Murray upright pressure up the middle. So that would be a place I could see him going and helping the team be successful as long as, as well as uh, the receivers, running backs and fantasy values.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned uh, keeping that pressure out of the middle. It's, Something that obviously a lot of teams are focused a lot more on here over the last six or eight years, maybe even a little bit longer. You look at guys like Ndamukong Su in his prime, Aaron Donald, guys that are able to get right up the middle and get in the quarterback's face. When you rush from the edge, the quarterback can step up and get away from it. But when you rush up the middle like that, there's just nothing the quarterback can do. So having the interior offensive linemen that are able to handle that kind of a a bull rush or uh, the faster defensive tackles is a big deal. Uh, Toby, like you said, it's not a huge a fantasy, um, like breaking news story, but he was a top 25 guard in each of the last three seasons. Uh, the Saints cut him to save $7 million, and they also, rumor is, they thought that he was starting to slip a bit in talent, but he's only 28. Personally, I'd like to see him go to either Cleveland or Cincinnati. Like in both of those cases, he would step right in as a starting guard immediately and be a significant upgrade in either place. He's a pass blocker, but he's also a good run blocker, and he could pave the way for Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon um, while also keeping the quarterbacks healthy. So I'd like to see him in either one of those places myself.
0: Yeah, Cincinnati, obviously, there's a little bias there. But um, as you've mentioned before, they haven't drafted the greatest offensive line players in the past few years. So to bring in someone who's a proven vet could obviously um, would seem to help immediately. Personally I Yeah I'd the problem
2: with that obviously is you know he's twenty eight like I mentioned, so he's on the, the downswing of his career. So you'd like to see him go someplace where he can help him kind of win now. And I don't know that anybody's looking to Cincinnati to win right now. Definitely not. So I think Cleveland to win right now. <laughs> So Cleveland might be a better fit for him at this stage.
0: Cleveland could be. Maybe he can help Baker turn things around. Uh, personally I'd like to see the Giants um, go after him. I don't know that they're in an extreme win now position. They're still pretty rebuild mode, but um, they've done a lot of work to build their line and they could use a veteran presence like him to come in, contribute immediately, um, help mentor, teach some of the younger guys. Um, I think if they land him, I think all of their offensive weapons boost a little bit from a fantasy perspective. Um, You know, buying Jones a little more time in the pocket, uh, opening up a few more holes for Saquon. I think he'd be a huge help there. And then in the... Only other news that we really have at the moment, given the fact that the NFL is um, still underway here, Jadavian Clowney, uh, still on the market. And I got to admit, this is a bit of a shock. Um, just to recap his saga here, before free agency, he turned down 18.5 million a year from the Seahawks because he was looking for 21 million a year. Um, and I most people thought that that was reasonable for his play. Um, and I actually... I, I mean, I hope the Colts would go out and get him. And I expected him to be signed right away. So when we didn't sign him in the first week, I kind of expected our chances were done. Um, he sat on the market for a while. And then he actually turned down another $17 million a year deal from the Dolphins, Jason. Um, yeah. and, and now the reports are coming out. It's been, I mean, a little over a month now. And there are reports that um, we're looking more in like the 13 to $15 million a year range. Um, obviously, the Dolphins have already signed their ends. Uh, it's It's been a pretty big fall, and I have to believe a lot of that is due to teams not being able to meet and evaluate that core injury yep. that he had, see how he's actually holding up physically. Um, personally, if he's healthy, I'd still love for the Colts to go out and get him, especially at you know a, a one-third discount from what we were talking about at the beginning of free agency. Um, I think a, a lot of people have the Giants as a front runner to land him as well, given that they need pass-rushing help and they've got the cap space. Um, but he did mention winning is one of his big things. I think the Colts are in a little more of a win-now position, and he could really shore up the defensive line.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I would have loved to see Miami snag him in free agency, because he could play the 3-4 end. He could play the 4-3 end. You can stand him up as a linebacker. Flores likes that flexibility. I was really hoping that they would have brought him in and been able to snag that free agent signing, but Apparently, without being able to sign him, they had to move on to different a different direction. But now Clowney's kind of out there. Who knows when he'll sign or who he'll sign with? I would I would venture to guess he may go back to Seattle on maybe a one year deal or a two year deal, and then kind of reboost its value, and then try to hit free agency again next year, maybe.
2: Yeah, there's certainly been some talk of that. I've seen rumors that Seattle certainly welcome or open to him coming back. It's been an interesting situation with him um, and several of the other players too, with the, the coronavirus impact. How, uh, like Toby mentioned, with teams aren't able to meet with these guys in person, and so they aren't able to have their doctors look and evaluate. So it's the same story with Cam Newton as well you see these guys that clearly have athletic ability. They still have the ability to play and contribute to a team. But uh, in Clowney's case, it's more obviously injury-related. And then with Cam Newton, I think it's a combination of injury. And uh, unfortunately, in his position, every team that needed a quarterback has now found one. So that's going to be an interesting situation to follow as well.
0: Yeah, and I've seen reports of Cam Newton. And I I mean, I get it. The reports from his camper that he's waiting – um, because he's not going to take a backup role. He wants to go somewhere and start, which I I totally understand. He's an immense talent. If he's sure. healthy, um, you wouldn't expect him to be sitting on someone's bench. I, don't, I think he's one of those guys that may not be signed for the first couple weeks. Um, and then as people figure out their quarterback situations, and there's inevitably going to be someone whose quarterback play is pretty awful, um, and they would probably look to bring him in at that point would be my guess. So – Jadavian Clowney, uh, he's one of those exciting guys that most people would love for their team to go get. Uh, Most people would love to have him on their team. But speaking of guys that you want on your team, guys to go out and get, today we're going to cover a few of our best late round options. Uh, Most top 10, top 20 positional lists look pretty similar across the board. Um, You really kind of break down when you hit that 30-40 mark and even more once you get to the 60-70-80 range. Um, So there's a lot of ways to define this. So we're going to base these off of a third party's ADP since they seem to be the most updated. Um, We love sleepers platform, but in mock drafts that we've done, we've still got AB getting drafted um, way earlier than a lot of other guys. Um, Odell getting drafted in the ninth and 10th round, which is just craziness. Um, Now, these guys that we're talking about are guys that you're going to be looking at later in your draft, but we feel like can have a huge impact um, surpassing their ADP by A large margin, possibly. Um, Brian, who are a couple of the guys that you're high on late drafts?
2: Yeah, the first guy on this list that I'm looking at is Kareem Hunt. And, you know, I've heard the saying, and I I think it's very true, that you don't win your your league early in the draft. The league is really one later in the draft. You find a couple of guys that can really contribute maybe unexpectedly or uh, that you knew about that some of your league mates didn't. So for me, Kareem Hunt is the first one. And he comes in at an ADP of 95, which feels a little low. I I get it. I mean, he's not the starting running back in Cleveland, but there are a couple of things to really like about him. One is when he's playing, uh, when he was on the field back from his suspension, he was involved much more in the passing game than Nick Chubb was. And he he and Nick Chubb both were able to get enough touches, double-digit touches for each of them and have the points as well. They're both very efficient. Uh, but like I said, Hunt is more involved in the passing game, so especially in PPR, half PPR, he's going to be more valuable. And right now, he's going behind guys like Justin Herbert and Keyshawn Vaughn, which uh, neither one of those guys are even named a starter right now either. And Kareem Hunt has proven that he is able to produce. He was an RB1 back when he was still in Kansas City. So to me, that's the the first guy that I'm targeting outside of those top 80 or so.
0: Yeah, speaking of Kareem Hunt, I mean, I know a lot of people are really high on him. Um, some people are a little lower on Nick Chubb because of Kareem Hunt's production towards the end of the year last year. Um, I know during the offseason, he had another off-field incident. We'll keep it short. But um, that led some to believe that maybe the Browns would move him. They obviously are keeping him at the moment. Do you think there's any chance that during the season, he's producing well and they move him? Um, while the the iron is hot, I guess, so to speak.
2: I do. That was actually the other thing that I was thinking about mentioning is he's in a great situation where there's a lot of weapons in Cleveland right now, and he's proven he can produce there, but he proved that he can produce in Kansas City as well. He's a proven commodity, and I think that he's going to be able to produce regardless of where he is. He's going to be a fantasy asset, and so if Cleveland is able to move him to a team that is in need of running back help in the middle of the season – that's really only going to boost his value in my opinion.
1: Yeah. His, his value is only going to go up as long as he can get on the field. I mean, if he has a hot hand for a week or two, I could see him them shipping him for as much value as they can get out of him because when he is on the field, he's very productive. So I would, I would say that would probably be an option for them to look at if they feel like they have a, g- a guy behind Kareem Hunt that they're, they're comfortable with as a backup. I mean, try to get some assets for him if you can before possibly something else happens. Well, another guy I'd like to talk about is Julian Edelman. He's ranked as an ADP 148, which quite honestly is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, Edelman is behind his own teammate, Keneal Harry. (laughs) Um, Keneal Harry barely could get on the field last year with Tom Brady. So I don't see why Julian Edelman is ranked so low. I would love to have a guy like Jul- Julian Edelman, especially if you're in a PPR, because he is a PPR machine. Uh, through the last, we'll go through the last four years that he was healthy. In 2019, he had 100 receptions, 2018, 74, 2016, 98 in 2015 61 and he produces touchdowns in every season i mean as long as he's on the field granted there's no tom brady but there's got to be a security blanket for whoever they throw in quarterback whether it's stidham or somebody else somebody's got to catch the ball and him being a good slot receiver i could see him being a really good option way higher than 148
0: yeah i agree um i'm I'm never one to draft Julian Edelman in my leagues, but um, he's one of those guys that seems to fly under the radar every year. Um, no one's ever super high on him. I guess in PPR leagues, he's a little bit more of a likely candidate. Um, but where he's being drafted now is crazy. Obviously, people are concerned about the quarterback play because we don't know who's going to be there. And if, if Jared Sidham is going to be the quarterback, there's questions about how much he can produce. Um I think even if he is the quarterback, Edelman has a lot of underneath routes. He's a great slot receiver. And I think as a young quarterback, that's probably where you're focused more of the time. Stidham isn't an air it out type of quarterback, so he's not throwing deep balls all day. He's not doing Jameis Winston, just throwing this thing down the field, hoping it doesn't get picked off. But um, I could see him, even if it is Stidham, I could see Edelman being productive and definitely being more productive than his current ADP.
2: Yeah, the fact that he's behind Nikhil Harry is just insane. And the fact that Nikhil Harry was on the field for I think seven weeks last season, uh, he never had more than three catches in a game. So what you're drafting there is definitely uh, a, a wing and a prayer, basically, as opposed to a, a proven, a proven wide receiver in Julian Edelman. I'm I'm definitely with you, Jason. I'm taking Edelman way higher than Nikhil Harry.
0: For sure. I think I think that's the thing, too. Nikhil Harry obviously was a a great talent coming out of college, um, but didn't really see enough from on the field to come to a great consensus on what he's going to do. But I think that's the thing is sometimes people get enamored with the potential over what's proven. Um, They like what they don't know. Um, But in, in this case, I mean, if you've got guys that are proven like Julian Edelman, I'm taking him over Nikhil Harry in my drafts as well. Um, Similar to him, another guy who's more proven, um, but is somehow slipping in drafts, Um, a guy from my team, the Indianapolis Colts, T.Y. Hilton, currently going as wide receiver 35, um, player number 100 overall in drafts. So obviously Hilton missed six games last year, um, was playing with Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett started off a a blistering pace at the beginning of the year, um, was on fire, and then suffered that knee injury and just never really seemed to be himself after that. Um, didn't really seem to be as accurate. Didn't seem to get the ball downfield as much. Um, and so T.Y. Hilton's numbers, the first few games, we're talking 20 points, 10 points, 12 and a half points, 13 and a half points. Um, and then you're talking the last five games that he plays, five points, 1.8 points, two and a half points, 2.6, 7.2. Um, I mean, I think some of that is him dealing with nagging injury. some quarterback play not great Um, and then just situational the games weren't good I think this year the Colts are in a way better position to win games I think they're going to be way more competitive and I think Philip Rivers is a far better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett I don't think anyone's going to argue that Um, and he's going to target T.Y. Hilton because that's the best option we've got to work with Um, you know a healthy year 16 games I think he's going to be way higher than wide receiver 35 Um, definitely top 20 if he plays a full 16 game slate this year
2: yeah, it's incredible to see that he's wide receiver thirty five. I've I've got him ranked at number eleven in my wide receiver rankings. So I'm way higher than consensus right now. And to I mean to your point, Toby, I think a lot of it has to do with just the way that he performed and kind of finished the season last year. But you know, speaking of guys that maybe underperformed a little bit and had some some difficult circumstances, the next guy on my list is Deontay Johnson. And this is kind of a package deal for me because Deontay Johnson and Ben Roethlisberger both are way lower than I think they should be. Deontay Johnson right now has an ADP of 130 and Roethlisberger is going at 122. You know, I get the injury risk, obviously, with Roethlisberger. He was injured most of last season, which led to the terrible wide receiver play for the entire team. Um, It wasn't just Deontay Johnson. It was James Washington. It was obviously Juju Smith-Schuster. But Despite having to catch passes from Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges, Deontay Johnson, unlike Juju, didn't disappear. He was still able to produce. He had three of the top four Steelers receivers fantasy games last year, and he actually finished higher than Juju did for the entire season. So the fact that he's being drafted in the 13th round behind guys like Nikhil Harry and A.J. Dillon, are you kidding me? He was the Steelers' best receiver last year. Ben Roethlisberger's back. He said he hasn't felt this good in years. De'Hontay Johnson's going to smash his ADP of 130.
1: A guy I also like to talk about is Marvin Jones. Marvelous Marvin Jones. He is currently behind guys like this in the ADP. Brian Edwards, a third-round pick to the Las Vegas Raiders. He's also behind a guy by the name of Harrison Buckner, kicker. He's behind kicker Justin Tucker. He's behind New England Patriots defense, tight end Ian Thomas. This is a security blanket and someone that Stafford has a great rapport with. I don't understand. It baffles me that they have him so low. They have Jones ranked so low. I, they have him down at 172. A 172 is ridiculous. I would, I would venture to guess Marvin Jones is probably no lower than a 130, somewhere in that range, not a 172. I'm sorry, I'm a little worked up because I think it's ridiculous to have him ranked that low. I think he'll be just fine as a wide receiver five or six not way down here in the seventeenth round in a ten team PPR or a ten team league. So
2: yeah. I actually if, if I actually like him better than that, honestly. Um the fact that he's at least ten rounds behind Kenny Galladay is insane. I mean last year he put up two of the top four games for a Detroit receiver. He clearly has Stafford's trust. Stafford is back. I agree with you completely, Jason.
1: Yeah. So like you can understand I'm a little worked up about it cuz I think it's ridiculous. I would I would throw him up the rankings in a heartbeat. If if he's fallen that far in your in your draft, yank him up
2: cuz he's going to he's going to give give you good points week after week. So the last guy that I have on my list is Anthony Miller and this is a guy honestly that I was kind of watching last year and I had some higher expectations for him. And he, he, he started off, he missed a few games with injury. And when he came back, he wasn't quite like, like himself, like he was the previous couple of years. But he's the wide receiver two in Chicago. He came on strong when he was healthy. And he's going at an ADP of 181, which is even lower than Marvin Jones. I think what he's really depending on is the quarterback play, obviously. He had a couple of great weeks at the end of the year. And so he's definitely proven that he can he can perform in that offense. But if Nick Foles is able to come in and take that starting job from Mitch Trubisky, his accuracy is clearly much better than Trubisky's is. Uh, Miller's not going anywhere. And I think if he has a quarterback that can get him the ball in that slot role there, he's really going to, to shoot up these, these rankings as well, I think. Like he's going to vastly outperform his ADP also. I would be very comfortable with Anthony Miller as my wide receiver four or five. So the fact that he's going in the 18th round in a 10-team league is just insane.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that, Brian. Andy Miller's going to get the volume for sure, being the wide receiver too. I mean, granted, it is Mitchell Trubisky throwing him the ball or, you know, Nick Foles, whoever they throw out there to throw the ball at quarterback. I just – I mean, just the volume alone should get him higher than an 18th round pick. I would – yeah. I would say probably 14th round maybe, 13th round, <laughs> something like that. I mean, at least. I mean, he's going to get yeah. targets, you would imagine, with Allen Robinson probably being double teamed time after time after time since they have literally no one else to really throw the ball to other than their 10 tight ends.
2: <laughs> well, that's exactly it. Allen Robinson is obviously their number one receiver far and away. But you know, to your point, they don't have anybody else. They lost Taylor Gabriel, who was was getting some work there. And then, like like you said, they've got 10 tight ends, but they don't have Trey Burton anymore. They don't have a tight end that they can trust. They've got Jimmy Graham, but I can't imagine that he's going to be a, a target monster at this point in his career. Those those passes have to go somewhere. And I think Anthony Miller is going to end up not only as the wide receiver two, but as the number two um, pass catcher in that offense as well.
0: Yeah. I've, I've bought into Anthony Miller the past couple years. Um and it hasn't worked out as I thought it would. So it's it's one of those <laughs> things, unfortunately, in fantasy football, um, there start to become players that you don't trust based off of previous years. And it can get you in trouble because you develop this bias, and it could have been situational, could have just been a bad season, whatever it may be. But um, he's one of those guys for me that I just don't – I don't know. I just can't get behind. And he very well could break out and have an amazing year. He's definitely got the talent to do it. Um, He showed it on the field and flashes at times. Um, He's just never consistently put it together. Obviously Mitch Trubisky is a big question mark. I'm a little more in favor of Nick Foles if we're talking passing game, but um, Mm -hmm. I mean, neither one is going to air it out for 400 yards a game. So I don't, I'm not, personally buying anthony miller but that's just my opinion um, one of the guys that is a little more proven that again i'm a fan of brian will attest to this one i would hope um aj green i was shocked to see that he's currently going as wide receiver 38 um, and player number 104 overall the big thing you get into with aj green obviously injuries no one's going to question his talent no one's going to question if he's on the field what he can do Um, When he's got healthy years, top 10 finishes, undoubtedly it's going to happen. The problem is when he's on the field. Um, You know, he's missed time a handful of times, missed time in 2018, missed all of last year. Um, So a lot of people are probably in the same boat that I'm in with Anthony Miller, where they've been burned by A.J. Green a few too many times, buying into him as high as he was. Um, And now they don't want anything to do with him regardless, because they don't trust him. Me personally, I haven't had that issue yet. I'm, I'm still fresh to A.J. Green, so I'm buying in on him, especially as wide receiver 38, because at that point, um, you know, around these other guys that he's going near, you're talking about second and third options on teams. And when you can get a guy who, if healthy, um, has top 10 potential at, at wide receiver 38, I just can't – I can't see passing it up at that point.
1: Yeah, I actually – had on our – Uh, Instagram page had talked about AJ Green that he could be a elite prospect this year yeah he's coming off injury and yeah he's been battling injuries through the years but uh, the talent is still there he's only going to be 32 he's still not at the top of the hill yet and so I, I can understand your point completely that that is extremely too low on the rankings he needs to be bumped up quite a bit on the rankings, and I'm sure he will by the time the season starts. He'll be moved up in those rankings.
2: And he's going behind Tyler Boyd right now, isn't he?
0: Yes, which I think is an atrocity as well. That I mean, (laughs) Tyler Boyd showed that he's talented last year. He showed if he's the number one option, he can produce. But when you've got A.J. Green on the field, I think things are a little different, Um, and he goes back to that number two role really quick.
2: Yeah, no question about that. Yeah, out of all the receivers on that team, A.J. Green is definitely the one that I want when healthy.
1: Another one that I'd like to talk about that I haven't had a chance to talk about yet is Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, when healthy, is an outstanding weapon for Houston. They, they made a trade for him, brought him in after they had done the unthinkable and traded DeAndre Hopkins, which still baffles me. But uh, <laughs> Brandon Cooks, when healthy – adds an element of speed to the field that he can break one at any play. He's a little smaller, but, yeah, he's got that speed that can change a game in an instant. And they've got him ranked behind guys like Justin Herbert, who may not even play this year, which is in just ridiculous that they would even have Justin Herbert in the discussion above him. Uh, also, Marlon Mack. Who's probably a backup running back at this point in Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. Toby, Colts fan, and then also a guy like Dallas Goddard. Obviously, he, he gets targets and things like that, and he's going to get targets, but he's still a second tight end behind Zach Ertz. So, to have a guy that could become the number one receiver at Houston, I think it's crazy having him ranked so low. They have him ranked at position 110 he's at 110 for a possible wide receiver one you're talking 11th round I don't think so I would I would venture to guess he would he'd be at least a top six round pick for a wide receiver one
2: yeah I've been getting all the shares of Brandon Cooks that I can I've been targeting him in the seventh and eighth rounds personally Uh like you said he's going at 110 right now He. He's between Teddy Bridgewater and carry on Johnson. And if you're telling me that I'm picking between those three guys, it's not even close. Like you mentioned, he's got the opportunity to be the top option in a high powered offense. I think his ADP is going to rise. I think it's, it's partially attributable to him being the kind of number three receiver in um, LA still, Um, you know, obviously before he was traded and um, also somewhat attributable to him being injured couple a couple of times over the past two or three years but uh, so I guess to that point I think his ADP is going to go up but 110 is definitely way too low and I think he's probably going to be a top 25 receiver this year so like I said I'm targeting him I'm getting all the shares of Brandon Cooks in the eighth round that I can
0: yeah I'm a Brandon Cooks fan too I don't I don't know what the knock really is on him Um, I mean he's proven he can do it on the field he he's probably the biggest enigma when it comes to these trades that teams are just moving him around um, from place to place. But um, that aside, I think he pr- provides fantasy value for sure. Um, as a, as a previous owner in past seasons, I will say he did tend to have games where he was very boomer bust. Um, you know, he'd have games where he catches two touchdowns and then the next game, he's got 20 total yards. Um, I don't think that's any fault of his own. Usually he received way less targets in those games Um, and I think going to Houston Fuller is obviously a great talent but he has questions of whether he can stay on the field hasn't done it yet for a full season Um, frustrates a lot of people Brandon Cooks is if healthy definitely the number one option there Randall Cobb is a solid slot receiver he's not gonna outproduce anyone there um, David Johnson's obviously a solid option out of the backfield, but I think the Texans' game plan is still going to be to throw the ball, um, and I think he's going to be a huge beneficiary of
2: that. Yeah, I guess um, to that point, too, it's easy to look at the Rams' offense last year and see that Brandon Cooks is number four pass catcher behind Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. When you look at the the, the setup, the roster in Houston right now, you cannot pick out three guys that are going to consistently finish ahead of him in targets. It's just, it's not going to happen.
0: Absolutely not. I don't see it happening either. Um, Another guy that I like, um, he's a little further down the list, Darius Slayton of the New York Giants, wide receiver number 45, currently going as player number 121. Um, I can tell you we've done a few mock drafts and he's gone well before the 12th or 13th round. Um, I think he showed a lot of rapport with Daniel Jones last year at the end of the year. Um, start of the season, didn't really do much, but you had guys like Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, who weren't hurt yet. Um, Saquon was still playing. Um, didn't miss that stretch yet. And uh, But from week 10 on, Darius Slayton had some really good production. He had a couple weeks with multiple touchdowns. Um, one, I think, was 124 yards and two touchdowns. Another one was 151 and two touchdowns. Um, So he's obviously got the talent to be on the field. I think he showed the rapport with Daniel Jones, probably because he was one of the few receivers standing there at the end of the year. Um, The other thing that worked for him is the fact that the two guys ahead of him that I just mentioned in the passing game, Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard, both have a pretty big history of injuries. Um, They've missed time every season they've played. And if one or, or both of them goes down, I think his value shoots him up way past wide receiver 45 um, and you could see some great things from Darius Slayton.
2: I agree with you there. My concern with Slayton is uh, the, the mouths to feed that whole concept again. Um, I mean, you mentioned Evan Ingram, you mentioned uh, Stoking Shepard, but they also have Golden Tate, they've got Saquon. I like Darius Slayton, but I don't think that I'm going to end up with many shares of him this year. I feel we'll tend to forget about Golden Tate there, but when he's on the field, he's getting targets as well. And I don't think that they're going to be the kind of team that is is leaning on the the past. That are looking for Daniel Jones to beat teams and lead them to victory in year two. I think it's really still Saquon's team, if you will. They'd rather ride Saquon than have Daniel Jones throw it 45 times a game. So I like Slayton. I'm I'm with you that he's definitely talented, but uh, I'm a little bit lower on him. I'm a little bit concerned. Like I said, all the the different. Catching options they've got there. The one other thing that I would point out too is, uh, at this point, I think Sterling Shepard is still technically the number one receiver there, and so yeah. Slayton, you know, it, it's kind of up in the air. It's not really obvious, but that's where we left off. At least was Shepard was one and, and Slayton was two. So I think it's probably still how things fall. So yeah. if I'm choosing between the two, I'm still going with Shepard. Yeah, they
1: kind of remind me of the Rams with Cooper Cup. Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, they kind of get that, that same mm-hmm. feel. And so yep. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of a hodgepodge of receivers that kind of blend together. And they, they don't really have like an alpha receiver. So it's hard to really say that his ranking will be much higher or if it may be way higher. He may become that number one. But it's kind of too, too mixed for me to buy a bunch of shares of him myself.
0: Yeah, and I'm not by any means telling people to rush out and get him, but at, as your wide receiver, five, I'd be okay with that. Um, but to, to that point, Brian does bring up a, a good point. Um, the Another thing that is going to hinder him a bit is Saquon Barkley, um, obviously a great running back, but very capable in the passing game as well. Um, so it does take right. a few targets away there. And when you're talking about a team, as you said, that wants to run the ball to start, Um, those passes aren't always going to be there in multitude so um, yes Saquon a great pass catching back can cut into Darius Slayton's production as well Um, and rounding it out for us I think the last person I'm going to bring up um, is another pass catching back a little less known probably a lot less known unless you're an Indianapolis Colts fan as well um, Naheem Hines um, running back for the Indianapolis Colts. He's way, way down. I mean, you've got to go <laughs> way down your list. And I think it's a disrespect if Naheem Hines listens to this. I'm I'm a believer this is going to be a good year for you. Uh, but he's currently drafted as running back 65. Um, so we're talking about running back. You're running back. I don't even know what we're putting on your team here. I mean, that's not even drafted on <laughs> most teams. Um, as the 242nd player. So he – in most leagues, he's not being drafted. Um, in standard scoring, I'm, I'm probably avoiding him, just being honest. I think his points are a little limited. But in a PPR league, that's where I'm a big fan. Um, when you, Not a lot of people watch Colts games, but as I watched Colts games last season, you could tell that he had carved out his niche very well as a pass catching back. The numbers didn't necessarily show it, but when he's on the field, um, you could tell they tried to utilize him in the passing game a lot and I think that that's only going to go up especially with Philip Rivers coming in um, who as we already mentioned is a, a more capable quarterback and proved last year with Austin Eckler he likes to check down I'm not one of the people that buys in to say you know he's gonna he's gonna be Austin Eckler 2.0 this year but I mean if he has half the production that he had he's gonna finish as top 30 running back um, you know I don't know that he'll even have that but But I think he's going to take advantage of plenty of opportunities. And when you're talking about deeper leagues, you know, the last round of your draft, I I think he's definitely one of the guys that's worth taking a shot on in a PPR league um, just for the high reward
1: upside. Yeah. You, you like Nehemiah Hines. I did look up some of his statistics and over the first two seasons, he has 107 receptions. So your PPR assumption is right. You know, I mean, he he could be valuable late, late in a deep league, but again, he'll be the number three back in Indy, I would assume. But, uh, you know, he is talented. He may have that role like a Darren Sproles that over the course of the years, it kind of, he kind of builds momentum and does much better year after year. So it is somebody you can probably keep an eye out for.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's not an exciting pick for sure. No one's running out there to say, I got to turn in my card to get Naheem Hines. But, uh, you know, to your point, they've got Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor now, but neither one of those guys are known for their, their pass-catching acumen, uh, especially Marlon Mack. I mean, he's, uh, he, he's in the, the Derrick Henry uh, tier as far as pass-catching backs is concerned. So there's definitely still a role for Hines. And I agree, uh, in a PPR league, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on late.
0: Yeah, and that was – Brian kind of said what what my response was going to be. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack are going to battle out for that three-down spot, um, but I think that Naheem Hines is safe as the third down back, the pass-catching back. I think he's got that role on lock. Um, Jonathan Taylor wasn't one coming out that a lot of people thought had a great role in the passing game. Um, obviously, Swift or Dobbins was a little better in the passing game to most people. Um, And then, as you mentioned, Marlon Mack was in that Derrick Henry territory where last year he caught 19 passes, Um, and that was with a lot of volume that he was getting. That wasn't like he wasn't on the field. That was a lot of volume he was getting. And to catch 19 passes um, obviously says they don't trust him in the passing game. I think he's on his way out um, with drafting Taylor, but that's neither here nor there for this part. For um sure. Naheem Hines, though, I think he's got that role carved out. And I would say expect somewhere between the 60 to 80 catches this year from him safely.
2: So, again – Yeah, he's obviously going to be game script dependent. I mean, he's going to be used a lot in that two-minute offense. So, as the team is trying to drive down the field at the end of the first half and the end of the game, if they're trying to put points up, I think that's where you're going to see the most, uh, the most of Naheem Hines.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So, again sure. – Don't rush out and draft him as your second or third running back. But at the position he's currently going undrafted, I say take a chance on him in one of the later rounds. Um, Let him produce for you in your PPR league. So that actually rounds out our players that you want to look at in the later rounds of the draft. Um, We'll be doing another episode where we're talking about guys that we think are going a little too high um, that you may want to avoid at their current ADPs. Um, But thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram for more content Uh, It's at cover three fantasy podcast. Also uh, follow Brian on Twitter, Brian at at Brian cover three FF cover three fantasy football Um, cover three FF. Also Apple, Spotify, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, give us a comment. Um, Feel free to DM us, message us with any questions, anything that you would like us to cover on the episode. We're always open to feedback. As always, we appreciate you listening. And until next time.